It can be scary when you think about how much of our so-called personal and confidential information is actually accessible in so many places and by so many different people and organizations. You need to learn what's being done with this information and how to keep yourself secure. Welcome to My Connected Life with Tyler Cohen Wood. When you're in control of your data in cyberspace, you feel all the more secure. Now, here's your host, Tyler Cohen Wood. Hi, welcome to My Connected Life. I'm your host, Tyler Cohen Wood. And today we have a very special guest with us. We have Dr. Ingrid Vassilou Feltes, who is the winner of many, many awards, too many to even go into. Um, top 20 global leaders in digital twins technology, top 25 global leaders in quantum technologies, top 50 global leaders in health tech, and top 50 global ecosystem leaders. That is quite a bit. <laughs> Welcome to the program, Dr. Ingrid. Thank you for inviting me. I really appreciate the opportunity and I've been uh, enjoying your show tremendously. I really wanted to congratulate you for uh, having the courage to, to start this new endeavor. Thank you. So thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate that. And I mean, especially coming from you, you, you are involved in some of the coolest technologies that people are just starting to hear about now, such as precision health tech, the omniverse, the metaverse. A lot of people don't know what these things are. So why don't we start with kind of an introduction? What is the metaverse and the omniverse? Well, <laughs> well uh, as I mentioned in a recent article, I, I think uh, we know that we don't even have an official definition yet. If you look online uh, and in any source, there is no perfect definition. As a matter of fact, the one that most people currently use is the one uh, that was uh, set forth by the CEO of NVIDIA. But I have my own and I wanted to share my own because that's how I was able to conceptualize it. And I think it's definitely one of the new virtual ecosystems that embeds and allows us to converge multiple emerging technologies, right? So what we've noticed over the last few years is that we had tremendous advances in each of the emerging technologies. And we've had digital platforms that were able to combine two, three, maybe four of them. This new opportunity, metaverse or omniverse, allow us to redefine, reconfigure, and redesign the way we can converge these technologies all together, but particularly with emphasis, of course, on virtual reality, augmented reality, and extended reality. So there's a blurring of boundaries that we were accustomed to, not only between the physical and the digital space, but also a blurring of boundaries between all these technologies. So it's much more immersive, and I, I kind of like the term experience or ecosystem, because although it's overused, in this case, it actually fits. <laughs> so yeah, it does. <laughs> that's how I've been able to conceptualize it. I, I kind of think of, uh, what was that game called SimCity? Mm -hmm. is, it, is it sort of like that? I know it's really popular in gaming, but it's kind of like a virtual world that represents the real world. True, but I think here it's, it's that and way more, right? Because there are many way, things way more, in the yes. meta or omniverse that are not possible with the current physical boundaries we still have in the real world. So I think that's the beautiful thing. It can be a replica 
of the real world. That's why we have the concept of digital twins that neatly fits into the metaverse and omniverse. But then it's so much more than in the real world we cannot do, right? We cannot uh, combine multiple benefits of these technologies at the speed, at the complexity that you can. And honestly, safety too, which is something I hope we can talk today. Many times that's overlooked. Everybody focuses only on the cool technology aspect. But uh, my hope is to also convey in our conversation today at one point the opportunities we have from a safety perspective when we can play in this meta and omniverse for our uh, various industries such as life sciences, healthcare, industrial, um, nuclear engineering, space tech, several others. Yeah, I mean, the whole digital twin concept is fascinating to me. And there are so many things that it can be used for. And, you know, I, th I think it's just incredibly exciting. And, you know, the, the first one that obviously comes to mind for me is, is, is healthcare. I mean, I know we're not there yet, but do you think that there will be a time where we have a replica of ourselves that even includes the human genome and how our body works. Because with that type of technology, we can test medications on diseases to see how it would affect that person. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's, it's incredible. You're on the right track, Tyler. I think definitely that's one of the areas that is highly likely to be leading in these efforts. Uh, in general, life sciences have made huge strides in, in the digital twin concept, extrapolating what has been achieved in the industrial uh, technology world. Because in the industrial space, they've been using digital twins for a long time. It's just that they used it for many other things, such as manufacturing cars or spaceships or other devices that, that uh, were dangerous, right? But in healthcare, we're dealing with the most sensitive <laughs> element, which is our body. So yes, having a digital health twin or a digital pharma twin or a digital medical device twin or a digital operation procedure twin is very important. And then you mentioned the digital genomics twin, right? So there I can share, I think there have been tremendous advances. So the human genome has been coded and then when we look at uh, other organisms, we're, we're way advanced. So I am looking forward to seeing some of the next five to 10 year scientific uh, progress that we can make. Oh my goodness, me too. And when, when you throw AI, especially, you know, in five years where, where it's going to be, I mean, you could really help find cures to diseases by using these, these digital twins. So the way I like to think about the benefit of digital twins is um, in the whole 360 life cycle of healthcare and the 360 life cycle of life sciences. So from concept, design, deployment, monitoring acute immediate results, monitoring long-term outcomes, disease prevention, disease monitoring, and then disease management, <laughs> and hopefully longevity, which we haven't talked yet. And then not to mention that one area that I've been very interested in for many years, but at that time also no one wanted to talk about it, is also <laughs> uh, 
pre-conception, uh, right? Fertility treatments. There's huge opportunity to do amazing work with digital twins in, in fertility uh, treatment. And that would really change the paradigm for population health for decades, not just immediately now for us. So for future generations. So I'm really excited about this. And I would urge everyone that, that reads about digital twins to not just think narrowly, oh, it's a new uh, computer replica. No, yeah. there, are multiple, there are multiple ways to conceptualize a digital twin too. And, and actually clinical trials are, or medical device trials are, are another great example where we are using this all the time. And we just didn't call it digital twins. Or in research, in general, we have used sometimes synthetic data sets, right? So synthetic data sets are another great example. It's a digital twin of a data set. We just did not think about it like that. Or when we test medications, uh, right, in, in terms of uh, trials that we were doing in the past, now we can do in silico trials. And a lot of the elements that we use in silico trials would be amenable to the concept of digital pharma twin as an example, right? Because we want a unique uh, characteristics of individuals with, with high risk or with specific disease states. So we are in a, in a mini way already doing portions of what is uh, digital twin health and digital twin precision medicine. Um, and then of course, uh, in the metaverse and omniverse, the difference would be that we can integrate 3D printing, we can integrate virtual reality so that multiple Easy. teams can see that. And that has been done actually, uh, Mayo Clinic and others have done this for complex oncology procedures where they can do quite a lot of uh, beautiful work for cross and interdisciplinary teams to be able to, to join in, in a virtual space to prepare for highly complex procedures where you can't go in blindly. So having that digital twin um, of, of the complex procedure in advance allows the team to prepare properly, allows the family to truly have informed consent, uh, which is another opportunity I wanted us to share. Healthcare education or education in general, the metaverse and omniverse will open up whole new ways yes. of teaching everybody, not just children, but also education in all fields, right? With, with all these tools, 3D, virtual reality, extended reality, augmented reality, and holograms, right? We will be able to teach chemistry, math, physics in total new ways. So it's not just in healthcare, it's also in all worlds. Yeah, that, that is what is, that's another thing that's so exciting is that it's, it really is global collaboration. So that means you could have a school here in the United States, but you're connected to schools all over the world and the teacher may be coming from, you know, a, a different country. So it just, it opens the field to, to better education. I, I'm so, I'm so glad that you, you brought that up. Absolutely. That's huge. And then because we're mentioning converging technologies, right? Using not only all the technologies we mentioned so far, but also adding uh, AI and federated learning models for education, right? We could all uh, augment the ability to share data and models across borders, right? And yep. uh, not only for healthcare and, and clinical trials, like we've been pushing for a long time, but for all other learning which is so essential to expedite our progress, right? So imagine if we could share all the precision medicine solution 
scientists amongst all scientists. Imagine if we could share all the space uh, technology. Of course, not what, not what is patented. We have to protect that. But there are other things that can be shared for scientific advances so that everybody can enhance those models. So there, that would be a, a research digital twin opportunity in the metaverse and omniverse, right? It's really cool. You know, I think about how um, I have a, a rare autoimmune disease and it took a really long time to get a diagnosis. And basically I had, well, not basically, I ended up having to diagnose myself. And what I knew I needed was really a, a collaborative um, team of specialists because I have a disease that crosses into multiple specialties. And, you know, this allows that, this opens the door for more of that collaboration where you can have multi-specialties around a patient or Absolutely. a twin of a patient. Exactly. And the beauty of it is then if we add blockchain technologies into the mix, you can have not only everything we mentioned, but then you can also have the ability to segregate and allow only certain people to have access to the information that's needed for the benefit that they were authorized for, and then to safeguard and protect information that must remain private. So it allows for that super sophisticated you know, access and then on top of that, the immutability and traceability and all other things we always talk about blockchain. So here you see how the metaverse and omniverse allows us to combine all the things that usually we, we just share as a silo. Now they can all come together beautifully. It's, 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 really, it's really so interesting. I mean, because in, in the cybersecurity, it, you know, it is something that we have to we, we have to take into account, but, you know, you just made me think if someone's working on a digital twin in the healthcare sphere and it, it, does HIPAA still apply? Well, a great uh, thing. I hope we, we take only the good things for, from HIPAA into the omniverse and metaverse, not the bad things. Right. <laughs> so absolutely. Uh, digital privacy, digital identity are going to be, heightened concerns yes. in, in these new universe. But also we have much more opportunity to monitor it. So the good and the bad, I think. And I, I recently published an article where uh, I say, is it a Pandora's box or is it uh, the next opportunity <laughs> we never had, right? Uh, I think if we manage it properly, and I've always been an advocate of proactive ethics programs and proactive cybersecurity and cyber resilience efforts, I think now is the time where with digital identity, if we mandate it, I hate that word, but sometimes it's necessary. I think if part of the metaverse and omniverse, we also mandate digital identity, it can really help us in our quest to safeguard these new ecosystems. Yeah, I mean, and it's, it's an exciting opportunity because you know, one of the issues with cybersecurity is that often, you know, it's something that's thought about in the middle of development of the product. But, you know, in this case, there's a enough, there's people and, and, and we have that ability since it's still pretty new to have security in it by design. And obviously security changes, so you have to keep managing exactly. it, but it, there's so many opportunities because you mentioned the security by design. So imagine if we could have in the omniverse instead of HIPAA, 
better privacy by design, security by design, ident digital identity that's by design, meaning I could have my health omniverse identity, my legal omniverse identity, my finance omniverse identity, and then everybody just uses what they were truly authorized as opposed to like we have now, HIPAA is very rigid, but we still have data breaches and then it also interferes with appropriate care coordination, right? So that's what, that's what we were mentioning, the bad things about HIPAA. It has good intentions, but unfortunately it has also prevented many researchers, clinicians, patients to fully benefit from the scientific advances that we've been able to achieve. Yeah, I wonder if, um, if identity theft of digital twins is going to be some kind of issue or if phishing or some form of social engineering um, would help kind of lead toward that um, digital identity theft and, you know, what could be done to, to protect against that. Well, I think the advocates of decentralized digital identity are hoping that that would be a solution that would finally be much uh, more adopted at a larger scale now, given that everybody's uh, so eager to enter the metaverse and omniverse, I think people are going to realize that we now must have a decentralized digital identity yeah. model so that we don't feel so exposed. And, and then another technology that, you know, I'm very passionate about that I think is going to also help us is quantum computing. I think well, we've seen strides there, I would say exponential increases in adoption over the last 18 months. Before people used to say, and experts, not just any uh, passionate advocates, that it's going to take us 10 more years to have quantum make the leap from the laboratory to business world. Well, I've seen much more progress over the last 12 months than in the last 10 years combined. So I think quantum computing will also, combined with the blockchain opportunities and other decentralized platforms, the combo of those three can be a powerful trifecta to maybe help with some of these challenges. It's, it's really exciting. I mean, I know that this is <clears throat> a bit ridiculous, but, you know, it's, it, it's actually kind of cool that, you know, you can all, there's so many avenues here, even shopping, shopping online. Mm -hmm. I mean, since, since, um, since the pandemic in 2020, I mean, sh online shopping has obviously grown exponentially and, you know, being able to try things on and see how they fit and see how they look, you know, before you buy it, that's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, I was, uh, I mean, we, we have known for many thousands of years that arts have, have right arts and culture have been important in society and and arts leaders have always embraced modern forward-looking ideas so we've seen a lot of fashion designers pushing really hard to open up their new uh, space and their new business and their new footprint in this meta and omniverse environment that would be that's really cool yeah if you if you bought something in the real world you would maybe your digital twin would have one too. So they could yeah. even offer it as a package. <laughs> yeah. Well, they do. They've offered it already. And it's from Nike, Adidas, Balmain, Gucci, Balenciaga. I mean, there are a lot of companies uh, that, that are pushing really hard to try clothes on, shoes on. And I think cosmetics too, I've seen two already that are pushing so that you can try 
new makeup, new creams, new new hairstyles, or all kinds yeah, of things. That, yeah, so I think it's transcending all industries from healthcare, education, finance, uh, legal. As we know, I've seen also a few companies pushing into legal twins, right? It would be so nice to have that real estate, right? Having our real estate twins. Imagine all the the current paperwork and, and redundancy and, and delays in those old-fashioned uh, legacy systems that we could completely get rid of if we would uh, build this new real estate ecosystem. I mean, it, it's, 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 it's incredibly exciting. And, yeah. you know, it, it just really gets me thinking about all of the different opportunities. Yeah. And what, what payment system do you think will kind of end up reigning supreme within the, the metaverse? Like, will it be cryptocurrency, e-payments? Well, I'm not sure if crypto, but definitely digital assets and digital currencies of some sort will must will will dominate. I, I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure because we've seen a race from major banks, major financial institutions, major mobile payment uh, organizations, and major social media companies to all add a digital payment option. In the last few months, even those that said they will never do it have shifted towards that. So I do think that uh, at least it will be always an offering and people might have the option to do fiat currency or digital or a combination. But uh, I think those that uh, want to open up their businesses in the omniverse and metaverse, it's highly unlikely that they're forced people in to, to use traditional currencies when you're already pushing towards a much more modern environment. So what, what exactly is the difference between the metaverse and the omniverse? Well, again, uh, we, we must have official scientific journals publications on this because there's none yet. But in, in theory, currently, the way NVIDIA has described it as an example is that you have much more uh, layers uh, and much more technologies converge in very simplistic uh, terms versus okay. the metaverse would have only a augmented virtual extended reality, some uh, maybe of the AI or, and, and blockchain, but then omniverse really embeds all uh, elements, including 3D printing and um, robotics and all other emerging technologies. So multiple layers, multiple dimensions, multiple technologies. That's why it's the omni. Like we had omni-channel mm -hmm. inputs in, in terms of uh, business models. Now we're going to have omniverse because you have so many parallel dimensions that you can bring in the business layer, the scientific layer, the, the deployment layer, the design layer, the marketing, all of it. All those. So it's not only from an industry perspective, Omni, but also from what we consider the 360 of life product cycle. <laughs> All of them can be addressed in, in that new environment. So I think it's really exciting, definitely. But again, I think there's not going to be any shortage for cybersecurity experts in the next few decades. Because no, <laughs> no, no. And there's already a huge shortage and it's, it's just going to continue to grow exponentially. 
And I, I think you'll enjoy this. I recently posted a poll and uh, we had several thousand people respond, which was interesting. What will define and push uh, or trigger the next industrial revolution? And the choices were metaverse, omniverse, or cy- cybersecurity, or quantum. And metaverse and omniverse won very close race uh, with cybersecurity. So I think that that is something that you might love to hear. <laughs> You know, this is an interesting area for um, for thinking about, you know, di- digital twins. But um, and, and I don't I don't know exactly how I feel about this either way. But um, if you have having a digital twin of a family member or a loved one who has recently passed away, it, it's 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 a way of, I guess, keeping that person that memory of of that person alive and i'm split on it i don't know how i feel about that it's interesting because yesterday someone mentioned that to me Uh, so you're not the only one thinking about that and as a matter of fact in japan they've done that for virtual reality pure already a long time so that you can do uh, commemorating events uh, or if you lost someone prematurely you can do um, any type of whatever is relevant for your culture of events that that allows you to reconnect or to mourn or to cherish or whatever um, culture or religion ritual that you want to. So I think definitely because we saw it in virtual reality, I I can predict that most likely some people will will offer that in the metaverse and and omniverse as well. Yes. And imagine holograms, right? Combine the augmented reality then with also extended reality so that you can feel, smell, taste all kinds of experiences that you used to share together, like a meal, let's say, or um, and then in the omniverse, if you can have also a 3D print or a hologram experience, I mean, it, it becomes science fiction like. But I'm sure someone will think about that. The part that's a little scarier is the one I mentioned before uh, about fertility and genomics and cloning and so forth. I think we have to be very careful and and very cautious in in that domain to make sure that we're not losing the reins of of monitoring the endless possibilities that can happen. Because the possibilities really are quite endless. I, I mean... You know, and a digital twin is not just a digital twin of a person. It can also be a digital twin of a business's network or of of of, of whatever. So that my dog can have a digital twin. But so businesses can really use this to really do some serious penetration testing and to really scope out the network and figure out what they need on the network in in a, a very visual presentation without actually causing harm to the the their real business network. So it, it's I see it as a huge tool for cybersecurity as well as growing and scaling a business. Absolutely. I mean, as you know, they're working now on a digital twin of the whole planet Earth to find climate change. So it was I think uh, some of the major tech giants are working on that to create a digital twin of planet Earth so that they can appropriately manage climate change. So that's your biggest project possible, right? And then in space, I think that's another one. We could create digital twins to understand the impact uh, in various space environments and on various planets 
on not only organisms, but human digital twins or animal digital twins or other forms of, of life. Uh, I mean, plants, not anything else. <laughs> yeah. well, so. no, no, no. Can my digital twin walk my, my dog in the room? I'm just kidding. <laughs> that, that would be pretty be cool. You know, it, it also is kind of exciting to think about it um, in terms of, of traveling, but not actually really going anywhere. So you can really experience what another place is like that maybe you've always wanted to go to. And, you know, for whatever reason you can't, um, it, it, you know, you can, like you said, smell, um, taste. It just, it's, it's very, um, it, it kind of makes me think of Star Trek, the, the holodeck <laughs> where every, everything was, was, was real. It was very realistic. Actually, I saw yesterday, uh, I think a Japanese researcher invented a lickable screen. So I think that's going to be the <laughs> next frontier that we haven't been able because all factory stimulation had been achieved already right through virtual and extended reality. But the taste was an issue, right? So now if he, if he truly can pull this off with, uh, with a lickable screen, I think that's going to be very intriguing for many to, to see what you can do with that. But wow. to extrapolate on your quick joke with the pet uh, and then with the travel, I just wanted to follow up uh, on the pet. You will have to walk your pet. However, your digital queen can have your podcast because, uh, as you know, it's China <laughs> News already has eight AI uh, chi chi you know, news anchors for Chinese news. They do? Eight already. Yeah, yeah, they've been for two, three years already active. So, But news is easier because it's, of course, all programmed, but for free conversation, it's going to be easier. So in theory, your digital twin could have a podcast and then you can walk your dog. <laughs> right? That's kind of cool. Yeah, I wouldn't mind having a couple of, of clones to, to mm -hmm. help, you know. One goes to your, the gym, one goes to your podcast and one goes yep. to take care of the pet. Absolutely, and I'll and I'll go in. I'll go in in the holodeck, and I'll travel. <laughs> yeah. And then to also uh, just uh, give a little color on what you mentioned with travel, there are I think one or two companies that are focusing on uh, geriatric health, and they offer and they've proven that actually not only memory improves for elderly that are having this stimulation, uh, they offer them to travel around the world, they can watch museums, all virtual reality and augmented reality. So by having this exposure to their favorite places in the world where they have traveled before or where they always wanted to travel, or uh, they load pictures from their childhood and they can travel to their own childhood environment, for instance, all those things actually improve health and improve memory and improve longevity. So it's not only for our leisure travel that I think definitely this will be used, but also it might have some therapeutic benefits and, and enhance those that unfortunately don't have any opportunities to travel or, or are limited due to illness. So again, yet another facet that is not immediately coming to mind when you say digital twins. Most people think it's highly technical, but then we can see how it really transcends into every fabric of our life. It really does. And I mean, I think that, you know, the, the, the continuation of, of, of the pandemic, 
I really think that's that helped spur this technology on. And I, I mean, not e- t- even without metaverse, omniverse, just in in healthcare. And I know that you've seen this too since COVID. I think we've had more innovations in health tech, fintech, any any area than than we had, you know, years prior. It just it just leapt from, you know, we're here to, we got to figure this out to just now we're, we're, we're even more um, ingrained, I guess, in this kind of um, cyberspace. And I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if the meta, if, if this would have taken hold without the situation that, that we're in. I don't think so. And actually in April, 2020, right after the onset of the pandemic, I, I, published an article where I stated that uh, the pandemia has been one of the most successful chief innovation and transformation officers, sadly. So for the wrong reasons, yeah. but yes, a lot of uh, innovation. As a matter of fact, I saw a chart yesterday. It's an exponential increase. When you look at the last 10 years, you see progressive, typical, normal stats for all the way up to 2019. And then from 2020 until now, it's like an exponential 400% increase, which we usually think is an error, but this time it actually happened. And same thing with health tech, biotech investments. It's been more the last 18 months than combined in the last 25 years in, in certain domains, such as emerging tech and precision health and other that, that used to be neglected, so to speak. Well, it, and I, yeah, I mean, I think the growth, the, the growth has been incredible, but the potential for even further growth is, is really there, you know, as long as, and I'm just, I'm going to keep hounding on this, but as long as we have security in, in, in the design from the beginning. Yeah. I hope it stays. So that's my mini fear. My concern is that this is a trend. And then as soon as we're not in a pandemic type of global environment, we're going to have a reallocation again towards other areas. Um, but we'll see. Definitely, it used to be all you know, in, the, in, in the entertainment, right? Business and video right. gaming. And now it, it's more even a little bit. So I hope we can maintain that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't, I, I, I think that this, that the COVID is something that we're going to be dealing with for a very long time. And, you know, I, I think that it's just part of kind of the fabric of what this new normal is, is going to be. And, you know, at some point it'll be just like, you know, you get your flu shot and, and, and go on. But I, I do, I don't, I don't think that we're going to see a return to normal to what that old normal was. I think we're trying to figure out what this new normal is going to be. Yeah, I think many experts uh, predict that we'll transition from pandemia to an endemic state where it's going to be part of our life. But I would also caution that we've had a lot of other germs and a lot of other diseases plaguing society for many, many years, actually hundreds of years. That's and true. that that this, again, pandemic uh, situation has just acutely highlighted and, and because of social media that we currently have, right, this hybrid digitized environment people know about it but right. we've had so many other diseases plaguing 
society and, and hurting a lot more people than, than the COVID virus, right? There are many other diseases that kill more people daily. And so I hope that we extrapolate from this the good and continue to invest in these progressive uh, technologies and life science uh, research that can help us prevent any future pandemic of any nature, not just viral, because guess what? Viral is not even the worst one. We can have much worse ones. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And, you know, I can't take credit for this thought because someone told it to me, but it, it was so interesting. Um, he said that if COVID had happened like this in any other time period, like maybe uh, the 1980s or the 70s or the 60s, we wouldn't have had the technology to be able to continue working as as mm -hmm. you know as best as we can the infrastructure just wasn't there absolutely absolutely imagine no cell phone no internet no mobile phones and have yeah. this I, I used to i used to have that in in the 80s i remember pay phones <laughs> exactly exactly so they yes, it would have caused a very different uh, global response and the economic impact would have been very different, right? And, and the lives lost also probably a very different number. So a lot of different implications. So I tend to agree with uh, whoever stated that, that totally different. And we have from previous, oh, great. <laughs> we have uh, previous pandemics where you can see the stats, right? How many people died and uh, germs, that, that uh, caused also global economic impact, the, the difference, how we were able to manage it now versus in other eras. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of like it was a, a wake-up call for technology and, and innovation. And, I mean, health tech has seen huge advances, but fintech, I mean, it's just amazing you know what yeah. they've been able to do it, it's mm -hmm. and, you know i didn't know this um i had a guest uh, brett king on a prior show um he said that e-payments most of, in, in most circumstances using an e uh, an e-payment wallet like apple pay or google pay is 10 times more secure than just a traditional credit card transaction that's awesome that's awesome yeah, a lot of a lot of good things. And then if we also secure our access with biometrics, we can even enhance that further. So I think we have a lot of opportunities. It's just gonna take a little while to get the the tipping point where a majority of the population embraces those technologies so that we can really change the paradigm. And then we need experts like you and others in cybersecurity to continue to improve because of course, as we enhance those, the, the smart cookies of the world with malicious intent will also invent other uh, attacks. So we need to continuously be on the defense and proactive to safeguard. Yeah, we do this. because, you know, something that is secure today will not be secure tomorrow. And Exactly. Especially, you know, quantum computing, you know, that really is going to change the landscape pretty significantly. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and, yes. and I also believe there are other innovations that are kind of lying in wait and they'll crop up and, and they'll be really, they'll change the playing field of cybersecurity significantly. Yeah, I well, so. I'm, I'm a big fan also of DNA computing and neuromorphic computing, and uh, that's going to open up 
uh, neurohacking, unfortunately, which now we've been fairly safe. But if we really start to get Neuralink chips, then imagine if we think now it's bad that our mobile phone gets hacked, imagine if your brain gets hacked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, I mean, your brain can get ransomware. Yeah, and also the implants that we have, right? There are a lot of people who have heart implants, other types of medical devices that are imperative for survival, exactly. So imagine if you start to, to think about safety for all those medical devices in the world. So the, the medical internet of things will need to be safeguarded too, in addition to the finance internet of things and space internet of things and everything else, so... Yeah, I mean, the entire ecosystem has to be secure. And, and, and you're right, you know, the, the neural links, there's, there's a lot of promise and there, there's a lot of really incredible things that can be done. But like you said, cybersecurity is going to be a very, very big component to that. Well, you chose the right career. At the, <laughs> you had the, the right, uh, the right uh, passion for what is really transcending all industries. I think that's what I, I like about cybersecurity, that it uh, encourages you right to think holistically and you can't just think in, in a, a silo, even right. just technology, right? You have to think ethics, you have to think privacy, you have to think technology. And then how do you embed all this into the operations of every business and into the lives of, of various individuals in all uh, population demographics. So I, I like uh, that you have to be multifaceted when you're in cybersecurity. Absolutely. And you also have to have to continue with it as that software, hardware, whatever lives because, you know, cyber, it'll, it can change really at any moment. <clears throat> absolutely. Absolutely. And I think cyber health, if you ask uh, which domain will see an increase I mean, we always wanted to uh, protect healthcare data, but I think we're going to see just a, a turbo acceleration yes. of, of the efforts and the sophistication because of everything that we talked. And if you start to embed all these emerging technologies, yes, we can benefit from all the beautiful things they allow us to do, but then also we're going to have a, a barrage of, of cyber attacks, so we'll have to get much more sophisticated and think differently about cyber precision health than we've ever done before. Absolutely. So. Absolutely. And, and yeah, I mean, there are definitely some, there are some issues now. I mean, I have, I have six doctors and each doctor has a different portal system and mm -hmm. half the time, if it's a televisit, it's something's not working and we just have to use FaceTime, which it's not safe. Exactly. <laughs> so, but absolutely. But we're ac accustomed to just suffer and have the pain points from traditional EHR and, and all our normal uh, health information management system challenges. But now everything we talk today, imagine you have to combine genomics data, medical devices, 3D holograms, augmented reality and in healthcare in an operating room. Right. So, for instance, Japan has already most of their operating rooms in the country and is doing all their medical education in in a virtual environment. So they have the Omniverse for the surgical operating room and Philips and uh, 
also GE have worked you know, on this. So imagine when you think about securing a, a whole OR environment for the whole country from a cyberspace when everything is accessible to malicious intent. Wow. Well, I, 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 I do hope that, that you know, cybersecurity does increase exponentially. And, you know, with quantum computing, that will certainly help um, yeah, because yeah. we're, we're, we're going to need it. Yeah. Actually, um, I want to use this opportunity for us to have a call to action for more cyber um, education to occur early on. Because what happens now is we, we always deal with it very late. Uh, so I think in, in college and graduate education and executive education in all industries, you don't, um, we're not talking about cybersecurity experts, we're talking about all other C-suite leaders. They need to be informed yes. early because right now everybody thinks about it just that we can deal with it later. Well, no, it should right. be that we think with, uh, about it early and deal with it early as opposed to after the fact. <laughs> Exactly. And kids understand how to use the technology, but they do not understand the security or the privacy or the, the, the physical risks to them um, so that they don't understand that. And since we use this technology in every part of our lives, it does need to be taught in school because it's just as important as math, um, reading, science, any, any topic that you're teaching. And, oh, I'm glad you bring that up. Yes, absolutely. Actually, in the book that I recently published with Dr. Jane Thomason, um, and that talks about applied ethics in a digital world, right, our book, and one chapter is specifically addressing what you just mentioned, that it's so important to safeguard how children grow up in this new world. And the omniverse and metaverse are the epitome of, of a digital world. So absolutely. And, you know, this is this is a topic that's very important to me because, um, you know, when 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 I first started my um, cyber career working for the the U.S. government, I worked for the Department of Defense Cybercrime Center and I did um, intrusion cases, which are, you know, those are fun, cool. But the major crimes cases were the ones that really hit me the hardest and. I've seen the worst of what can happen to a child. And that's why I'm so incredibly passionate about this particular topic. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I hope that uh, the United Nations, in addition to their uh, digital identity efforts, will also add cyber ethics and cybersecurity for, for the children. There are 50 million children that are not having any identity in the world. Now, imagine... On top of that, what can, what can happen to them? And then the ones that do have an identity are all over accessing the internet and medical devices, right? Such as Alexa in their home, as an example. So the opportunities again for them to get hurt or get exposed to information that they maybe are not supposed to see or have or vice versa, they might give out information that they're not supposed to is endless, so a big big domain it's it, it it's absolutely it's it's huge it's huge <clears throat> well this is I, I mean this is really this is this is real it's really cool um to talk about you know this this 
future that's kind of here, here now, or at least it's starting now. And I mean, I can't wait to see what it's going to be like in, in, in 10 years. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's this also, I think, opens the possibility for even research into various viruses and diseases like COVID to really be able to path to path what its trajectory is going to be. And, you know, if there are going to be different mutations, what those mutations are going to be to really kind of get ahead of of this disease and other disease processes, because again, it brings in a global collaborative environment. And I really think that's what's needed. Yeah. And and to be fair, um, major organizations have already deployed AI and blockchain for that specific purpose and have been doing it successfully for years. And that's how we've also advanced for Alzheimer and diabetes and several other uh, disorders that affect millions worldwide. But now I think it brings it to the next level, like we said, that it can augment uh, and accelerate our efforts with all the other emerging technologies. And we haven't even mentioned cloud computing and edge computing and cloud edge and all the other. (laughs) But uh, I think people got the idea that the omniverse would include all of those, even if we didn't spell them out. And I mean, how is it going to change dating? Well, that's another one. People are talking already that it's going to be the metaverse and omniverse dating. And even now, when you go, the boundaries are very different there and the way you interact with people and uh, the way you can approach someone and your identity there and what's uh, and gender in the omniverse, right? That's and true. so forth. <laughs> you can be anyone you want to be there. I can be gender neutral if I want, right? So it's all that's- complex. That, I didn't even think about that. That's that's really cool. You can create whatever your your persona. Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, again, uh, it's gonna force us to truly rethink how we live, how we work, how we entertain, how we relate to each other. The new social norms in the omniverse and metaverse will be very different. What's appropriate there might not be appropriate in the real world, and vice versa. So. I think it's going to challenge us to redefine and rethink a lot of uh, things we always took for granted or never even thought mattered. Right. Absolutely. You know, I think about that sometimes too, you know, if, because sometimes people on a screen, they, they don't realize there's, it's not that they don't know there's another person at the other end, but it's kind of like being in a car you know, if someone cuts you off, maybe you yell something. But if someone bumped into me on the street, I wouldn't yell. I would just say, oh, excuse me. So it's that feeling like you're protected by a barrier. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But, so, but, so, so, so please continue. No, no, absolutely. That, that barrier in a digital world is, is fluid. It's, it's very different, right? Yes. I wanted to invite you in closing. uh, We launched uh, yesterday uh, the opportunity to do a newscast in the metaverse. So if you want, uh, you're our first guest. We're going to invite you to do a mini mini webcast in the metaverse. We'll have your avatar and you can do a, you know, just a brief. uh, Okay. So everybody that's in meta would be able at that time would be able to see. Oh, that is so, uh, thank you so much. I definitely will take you up on that. 
Awesome. That sounds Great. really fun. <laughs> yes, we are offering that through Rev Expo Consulting, which is a boutique consulting firm. And we've had already a lot of interest just to people love uh, to have their avatar created and uh, are interested in having their space in, in um, the metaverse created, like their unique customized business environment. So you could have your unique custom business studio and newscast studio in the metaverse. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Great. Well, well thank you. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been absolutely fascinating. I learned a ton and I know the audience learned a ton. Um, if they want more information, where, where can people go um, to find more information about what you're doing, what, um, you know, what your latest activities are? Yeah, I, I think the easiest is on social media, my LinkedIn profile or my Instagram profile. Uh, I'm, I'm uh, very active and I share a lot of the initiatives, not only the ones that I am involved in on the corporate side, but also on the not-for-profit side. I have the privilege to work with a lot of international organizations that uh, are in emerging technologies and uh, the European Union, the United Nations affiliated and also, um, also for the Government Blockchain Association, as well as partners in digital health. So depending on your interest, you might be able to engage with me uh, for any of those domains. And thank you again, Tyler, for inviting. Thank you so much for coming on. This has been such a great show. Thank um, you join so us. much. Thank you. Thank you. Join us next week for another episode of My Connected Life. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week to My Connected Life. We have much more for you next Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Until our next show, be careful with your data and your life. <laughs>